The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Hello, welcome to the very latest Driven Chat podcast. Now, because we've also got a radio show, we need to do a bit of thinking when we do these links because sometimes we're doing things for the radio and sometimes we're doing things for the podcast. And, well, today, I've forgotten how many episodes we've done, but John Markar <laughs> is the man with the numbers. John, what are we on that, like, like 687 or uh, something? I th- not quite that far, but I have a feeling we may be at the big five zero. No. I have a feeling we're at the big 5-0. I, I really do. Um, I, I kind of, I probably should have checked that, but uh, I have a feeling we are. I'm going at the knees. How are you doing, Amy? <laughs> Very well, thank you. How are you? <laughs> well, the big 5-0 is making me feel really old. Uh, no, it's, it's a good show this week, actually. I really like it. I mean, look, I, I'm not going to say some of our shows aren't good because I'm thrilled with everything we've been putting out. But we've we've got like a pretty massive celebrity who I didn't think we'd get on the show today. So I'm pretty chuffed about that. Yeah, it's nice. It is nice. And we've mentioned this before in previous recordings. There's some. There's always going to be some episodes where not all three of us are in the recording. Uh, there's been a couple where I've done one solo or Amy and I have done one uh, or Andy and I have done one and Amy steps out. And this week it's an Andy J one because Andy, of course, you got to talk to somebody really, really, really cool. Somebody who, as you say, just doesn't seem to ever do interviews. So I don't know how, how did three... you bag that? Yeah. Perseverance and exhaustion. <laughs> and just grind. grind. <laughs> Actually, the number of people surrounding this person is, is a lot. So, yeah, it took a lot of effort, but I'm thanking all of them for, uh, for making it happen. It's James Martin, celebrity chef par excellence and massive petrol head. Mm. He's been on our TV screens on a weekend for, I think, longer than any other British TV presenter. It's, it's crazy. Time. He yeah. did that, that BBC show Forever, Saturday Kitchen or whatever it was. And, and then, obviously, he's now doing the thing on ITV and it's just and he does it from his own home and people go to him yeah. and just how cool is that but yeah he he basically told me he's only done three interviews in 15 years wow. and all three of those have been with as he's told me which made me feel slightly intimidated his best mates so he's best mates Aww. with Chris Evans Chris Evans launches a new podcast yeah okay I'll do it for you <laughs> his co-driver in Racing World is Jason Plato he did 12 minutes with him 12 minutes with his co-driver and Kate Thornton went on his show I think it was the ITV show and basically she said look you have to come on my podcast so he's done a little thing with her so it's been very much a favour for a friend so the fact that he's come on and done this with us I mean I'm I'm chuffed a bit actually (laughs) yeah it's really great really great and as you say he is a massive petrol head he's somebody that I've seen racing at Goodwood and whenever you see him on the TV there's always if there's not a car physically in the background you know there's there's some good idle car chat that you hear going on that makes you go, ah, this guy's an actual car person. I don't yeah, actually yeah, know no. what he's got in his garage. What Do you know what vehicles he's, he's got in there? Well, well, I do, I do now. Yeah. <laughs> can you, Abby, can you, I want to know what his t- taste in, in vehicles is. The, oh, yeah, obviously, we won't give, too, won't give too much away because in the chat he does reveal it, but the story of how he bought his first classic car is quite cool because he was quite young and... He basically bought a car that he didn't really know much about, just saw it and thought, that looks pretty. It turned out to be a Goldwing. <laughs> Classic Mercedes. <laughs> so, yeah, there's that sort of, you know, that you'll hear plenty of that in this. It's it's great. Really cool. Awesome. The thing I like about it, though, is that he he sells and trades quite often. So his garage, even if you were to Google James Martin car collection, which is what I did, obviously, before <laughs> interviewing him, all the cars I'd lifted... 
from the internet, virtually all of them had been sold and traded for something else. Mm. So if, 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 like, if you see an article from a few years ago and think, oh, okay, well, I don't need to listen to the show because I know what he's got. Actually, you don't because he's changed them all out. Yeah. So I think he only keeps about three and then the rest of them kind of get upgraded and developed and improved. Yeah. So yeah, proper petrol head, really interesting guy. But we didn't want to just put him in your ears this week because uh, like you've asserted, John, it's just he and I chatting and mm. it's nice when it's all of us doing stuff. And we've already mentioned we have a radio show. If you're listening, thank you. We go out on talk radio every Sunday night at seven o'clock and we do it from our crazy truck at Caffeine and Machine every week. And actually that's why we're going to include a little bit of extra on this podcast today. We're including... This weekend's chat with Mike Brewer, the weekend that's just gone as you listen to this, with Mike Brewer and Mark Priestley that we take from the radio show. Because every week we finish part three of the radio show with Mike Brewer and we chat about him and we have a little Mike Brewer motoring section. We can take your questions. If you'd like to ask him anything, hello at drivenchat.com or tweet us or Instagram us or whatever. Um, but yeah, we, we put your questions to Mike. And so we thought we'd include just the most recent chat with Mike and Mark Priestley, who is, of course, the new mechanic for the Wheeler Dealers show as well as being Lewis Hamilton's former mechanic in F1, by the way, <laughs> and a really top guy and a really good friend of mine. So we're really lucky because we thought we'd throw that in just, to, just so that you know what's going on on the radio show if you're not one of the, the listeners to the talk radio show that goes out Sundays at 7. I think I've plugged that enough, John. I haven't got any more <laughs> plugs in there. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, and of course, I'm aware that this is quite kind of UK-based listeners, and we have many, many, many thousands, tens of thousands of listeners outside the UK. The radio show, just because you're outside of the UK, you can still listen to that. So you can do that either via Talk Radio app, or you can just Google Talk Radio on uh, on your preferred search engine, and there will be a yeah. way that you can hear that show. So yeah, what you're going to hear is just a snippet from part three of each week, uh, give you a flavour of that, and if you think, oh, that sounds quite good, actually, I'll, uh, I'll, I'd like to tune in as live, then Sunday evenings, uh, UK time, 7pm, and I'll let you do your own uh, international global time calculations to figure out what time that might be for you. Yes, it's worth pointing out it is a different show to the podcast. Yes, completely. It is a different show. We, we always have, we have basically parts one and three will always be completely different to what you hear on the podcast because part one is basically the three of us just jiving together, having a bit <laughs> of a giggle. And sometimes we have a, uh, someone sitting in with us like Alex Goy did, or it's just the three of us basically mucking around. Then we have our headline guest, which is usually, usually aligned with what's happening on the podcast where you obviously get more on the pod. Mm -hmm. And then as we've, as we've mentioned, Mike Brewer closes out our part three. So yeah, the radio show is always different to the pod it's important to kind of stress that good stuff happy days okay so should we jump in it's, it's james martin and if you'd like james martin to uh, tell you more about his life outside of cars you can hear the andy j podcast which is available from tuesday where we have a he and i have a much longer chat that's about his life and cooking and all kinds of other things it's a really lovely chat actually but this is just the car bit of that conversation so james martin on cars now and then in a little while mike brewer mark Priestley. John Markar, Amy Shaw, <laughs> Chatsy Giggly's calendar references. Happy days. <laughs> no purchase necessary on that calendar. You'll find out what we're talking about very soon. <laughs> <laughs> the Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. James, we, we've got so much to talk about, but I want to start off. I have seen something literally just before this call. I saw something on social media that, that totally threw me, and I feel the, the need to share it with you. Right. Ainsley Harriet has got into racing. Has he? 
Well, yeah, that was my reaction as well. <laughs> exactly. So, and this Are is what really? I need to ask you about chefs and racing because Ainsley Harriet has he's just done a post which was put out on British GT, which is a brilliant championship, just put out on their social feed where he's bigging up the Harriet's chariot and talking about the drivers and everything else. And I'm like, what? Ainsley, Ainsley Harriet is doing the GT championship. He or can't is he? be. He, he must be sponsoring the car. I, mean, I did it a long time ago, but. I don't think my backside could fit in one of those cars anymore, to be honest with you. But um, also, you're not quick enough. But yeah, well, if he is doing it, great. I'll, I'll be texting him straight after this going, what, 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 what? Hey? Um, but to, yeah, great. You need to ask him what the Harriet's Chariot is. I'm um, my guess. Yeah, well, I see a lot of chefs are into cars, you see. There's, there's, there, there is a lot of chefs that are into cars. It's, it's, uh, it seems to go hand in hand with the job, really. Well, this is where I was coming. Because, of course, with British GT, you've mentioned you, you've done it. Paul Hollywood. Yep. has had a decent kind of stint in yep. as well and an Aston Martin and now with Ainsley Harriet what why is it what is the connection with cars racing and cooking I don't know to be honest I think just many of us when you were young kids training really we, you, you kind of see all these nice cars coming to the restaurant where you're working um, I remember working as when well, my first ever head chef job was in Winchester and and um, I remember it was part owned by Ron Dennis and he used to arrive in his McLaren F1 <laughs> and park it right outside the kitchen where the bins were because he said it was the safest place to be. <laughs> wow. and, um, <laughs> and, and of course, you know, you, you dream not ever realizing you would ever be able to be in a position to be able to get something, uh, let alone, you know, anything else. I remember having a Vauxhall Nova at the time and then ran out of money and I had no car at that time. So I used to walk everywhere. So it, it's kind of one of those things that, kind of go hand in hand really Gordon's Gordon's got a big car collection Jamie likes the oddball sort of stuff Gary Rhodes was a big car collector um, a big big Ferrari as well Gary um, but you know we have chefs come on the show here and come down to the house and they come in all the fancy cars as well I, I think it's I think it's just it, it's the it's not a status symbol it's never a status symbol for a chef it's it's that it's that thing that you've achieved success in your life and okay you know most people go out and buy what a gucci suit or whatever it is it, it that never really interests me it's just I, I see cars as a fascination with to me the movable pieces of art to be honest with you yeah, well, I mean, your collection, which we, we have to come on to, because I've, I've seen a list and I need to talk to you about basically every single one of these cars. Your collection <laughs> is, is absolutely spectacular. And from what I can glean, I mean, I've, I've recently hosted a TV show called Three Men, Four Wheels, where we've had access to some amazing collections. And one of my favourite places was, was Nick Mason's Ten Tenths. And there were some beauties there. I'm, I'm sure you've been yourself. Well, you're starting at the top, aren't you, really, there? You, <laughs> there's nowhere to go after that, is there? <laughs> but, yeah, he's, um, he's, he's, he's got a seriously impressive car collection, as Nick. And, uh, yeah, and a seriously impressive selection of stuff as well. I mean, it's really quite impressive. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's intimidatingly amazing. I sat in the 250 and I was just like, oh... <clears throat> I, I'm not sure I could even breathe in here because I know how much this thing costs, you know. Just... Yeah, I mean, it's, there's some amazing... And it's also, you know, there's some amazing people <clears throat> round and about with collections as well. We've got a place near, near, not far away from me, who's, you know, where the, the, the collection is the, you know, the, the Rothko collection. So they've got all the sort of the Gulf McLaren cars and I think they've got something like six F1 cars in there as well amazing selection of stuff that's brilliant that's brilliant well look let, let's get started with with kind of where it started with you james because of course everybody knows you from telly everybody knows you for cooking the car world know that you're a massive petrol head but perhaps the broader public they, they wouldn't necessarily make that immediate association you were you're brought up yeah, on well, i kind of keep 
I kind of keep it out of out of the way, really. Anybody that's ever been to places such as Goodwood will have seen me at Goodwood, uh, Goodwood Revival. Yeah. Uh, they'll have seen me at the Festival of Speed. They'll have seen me at the sort of Car Fest, where I bring a few bits and pieces there. Um, but I kind of, yeah, I, I've been collecting for many, many years, nigh on 30 years, really. Um it all started, I'll be honest with you, somebody asked me this the other day, where did your love of cars start? It started when I was a young kid, like many things. You know, my grand, my grandmother, I remember going on a, on a boating holiday. We couldn't afford to go on holiday, really, so we used to go on the River Thames on, a, on one of those rented boats for a week. And um, there used to be a, 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 a toy shop on the bridge, uh, just over the bridge at uh, Windsor. I don't know if it's still there anymore. <clears throat> and my, my granny bought me a little Ferrari toy, Oh, cool. And I treasure that toy. I've still got it now. My granny sadly passed away, but I've still got that toy. I've kind of been any more than six, five, six years old. And around a similar sort of time, I was at Scarborough. We used to go on holiday at Scarborough as well because we weren't very far away from Scarborough living as a uh, as a family. And um, there's a, there a place called Henry Marshall's. Anybody who's ever been to Scarborough will know there's an arcade, <clears throat> a massive great arcade place. And um, this Aston Martin pulled up, this soft-top Aston Martin, and uh, I remember they're the getting out of the car. The, the owner and the, his partner got out of the car and walked into the 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 the, the place and packed it right outside the front. And I remember sat there, look, stood up next to it with ice cream, like a ninety nine dripping on my hands and onto the paintwork. And this guy came out. My mum told me off for for going near it and dripping ice cream on the paint. And the guy said, No, 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 no. It's absolutely. You would like to sit in it, lad. And oh. I, I remember him. I sat in the driver's seat, and, I, and he was holding the ice cream that was dripping in his hand. <laughs> and I sat in there, picked all of the wheel with ice cream dripping everywhere, and, and that was it. That that was the moment. That's Just thought, this is, Yeah, that was it. And and <clears throat> never I thought in my life I would ever ever be able to achieve that. And you know, you used to look through the old uh, Exchange Mart when Google wasn't around and the internet wasn't around. You used to ring through the Exchange Mart for cars that you would like when you first year past your driving license and then realize you can't afford them because of the insurance. So I ended up with a, 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 a chopped, chopped up uh, Vauxhall Nova. It was a white one with a boot on the back. It was three cars welded together. <laughs> and I bought it for 170 quid. Brilliant. <laughs> and, and it went everywhere, that car. And I had it all throughout my college, college life. And uh, my mates were into motorbikes and they sadly passed away with, by choosing to go to motorbikes when they were young kids. So, right. so, Three weeks before, us hanging around together at school. I think there's probably only me left now because I was the only one that didn't go into motorbikes straight away. And um, but I used to sort of enjoy cars on the farm and that kind of stuff. None of my family had fancy cars. We we just had we just had tractors. But I enjoyed sort of driving the tractor when I was in my teens, you know, twelve, thirteen, that kind of stuff. And and I suppose it wasn't until I went to London where I saw all the amazing cars there. When you were working in London at sixteen, seventeen, I used to finish working walk past all these showrooms and sort of peer through the window. I love that your passion, James, started with cars, with, with, with that moment, but it also involved yeah. food. I love that you had yeah, an ice well, cream. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, most, like... people know that, most people know that I, he, he loves it too much sometimes when you see the size of me, but it's, <laughs> I, 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 I've never followed a trend. I've always tried to be honest with everybody and, and the, the, you know, in terms of my food and everything else and, and believe in what you believe in. I'm going to quote you. This might be wrong, in which case, fair play. But let's see if you probably mean. is. You've been on Google again, have you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, no, actually, this is from a magazine that I've got randomly, and I've just had kicking around forever. So it says food first, 
then cars, then my dog, then women. <laughs> oh yeah, well that yeah, yeah we're talking twenty twenty two years ago, twenty eight <laughs> years ago. So yeah, yeah, that was when it, that was when it printed media. Now, 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 now the internet sort of stuff. The trouble is, you say stuff like that and it sticks. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, but to be kinda, fair, it's a pretty good way of life. You know? I might have I might have moved stuff around a bit since then, but um, still cars the have always been a always been a big passion of mine. You know that you know. I, my mates over the years have collected kids and marriages and, and, and divorces and stuff like that. But I just, I, I, I don't know what it is. It, it, it started out life as just buying one and, and that one then, then kicked off and it went, it went mad. It went absolutely mental. And, um, yeah. And it was that one. I, I remember it was, I don't remember exactly when it was, where it was, what year it was and what date it was. I remember exactly when it was. And um, it was at a car show in, in Germany, in Essen, uh, 17th of April, uh, 26 years ago. And um, I, 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 quite fortunate, I, I did a little business deal when I was quite young, and it, and it came off. And um, it was, the, do you remember the Pagani Zonda? Oh, yes. Yeah, well, there was, there was, there was sort of, that was a talk of that kind of stuff. We're talking about quite a long time ago now, it was over 20 years ago it must be now and and anyway there was there was a Begani Zonda and, and and over sort of a four or five year period I, I'd been going back and forth to this this car show in Essen um, it's quite a famous classic car show yeah. uh, but not just classics they've got a bit of everything but it's huge about twice the size of the NEC it's massive mm. and um, I used to go there back and forwards, just take the car and just go over there for, for a weekend Um and I remember going in there one Saturday morning and uh, I, I went through a different entrance and I walked in there and there was two Mercedes-Benz Gullwings on the stand, on the Mercedes-Benz stand, huge, but it was a stand, it was a whole hall. There was two Mercedes-Benz Gullwings uh, for sale. And, and it was two minutes after the show had opened and one of them had just sold on the left. Gosh. Um, and I remember walking up to the gentleman, and it was a German chap, a sales guy, and, and a lot of these, you know, bear in mind that I'm 24, 25, 25 maybe. Okay. Um, and a lot of these sort of chaps, and you go to a sale room, they go, oh, yeah, here we go, another tire kicker, and just ignore you. And, um, and this gentleman just said, would you like to sit in it? And I went, I, I, think, it's, I think it's the most beautiful thing at the show and I've been here two days but this is this is the first time I'm coming this this way um, I think it's the most beautiful car I've ever seen mm. um, and he said well you know da, 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 da. and he said um, you know what, what what cars are you into I said well I had a Vauxhall Nova <laughs> and then I had a Fiesta and, and, and I said I'm, I'm interested in buying sort of my first car my first mega car and, and I looked at a at the modern car and I'd had a Ferrari and bits and pieces and saw the excited tax little paper. But it was <laughs> it was genuinely a choice of either this or a Bagani's under. And and I remember just going, Do you know what? I love this so much. I didn't drive it and I said what you know, I, I asked him what the price was and it was I'll be honest with you, it was hundred and fifty five thousand pounds. Okay. Okay. Which was Which, more money than I'd ever seen in my life. A lot of especially back then, a colossal a lot of amount money. of cash. A lot of money. Yeah. And I remember shaking his hand and I said, uh, do you need me to sign for anything for the car? And he went, no, no, the shake of a hand is good enough for us. Oh, good for uh, him. We will, we will fly you over to Germany and you come and have a test drive of it. And then if you like it, then you can buy it. But we'll take it off the market now. The, the show was running for another week. And then we'll give you a shout. 
and sure to his word, uh, I flew over, test drove it up this mountain with this amazing racing driver, German racing driver, um, and it was silver. It was red leather, and beautiful. Um, and I bought it, and I came back, and I and I and I was living in a flat, and I had a going Mercedes in storage down the road. <laughs> Blimey. And I generally didn't know what I'd bought, to be honest with you. I, and then the process started. Then the, then, then you look at it, you get the brochures, you get the sales brochures, you get the old stuff, and I started collecting that kind of stuff and, okay. and understanding the history of it and who owned it and all that kind of stuff. So you and basically, this, this, was an, uh, this was almost an ignorant purchase. It was just with your heart. Yeah, well, not, uh, yeah, yeah, be honest with you, I didn't know anything about them. Um, I just thought it was a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. You know, and yeah. I just thought it was a beautiful thing. I thought it was a better looking thing than a Bugatti Honda or a Ferrari, to be honest with you. Modern thing, because the minute, you know, in, in, yeah, let's face it, if you, if, you, if you do a bit of success, you're going to go out and buy yourself a, or a car or a watch or whatever, wherever it was. Uh, and a, pri- a house wasn't a priority for me, because it was just on my own. Didn't, didn't need a house. I was living in a flat. <laughs> Above a Chinese restaurant. To be fair. No, but then but the going was down the road. Um, yeah. But I, yeah, I didn't really know what I bought. And then I, you know, you gradually sort of look at it. And then 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 all of a sudden, I looked at the classics and I really got the bug. And then then all of a sudden, it started to grow. And um, yeah, it went crazy very quickly afterwards. So the Gullwing is is this the one that you looked after so brilliantly that you ended up selling it back to Mercedes Benz for Mercedes Benz World? <laughs> Mercedes Benz bought Brooklands and they turned the Brooklands into a motor museum and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And that car you can see is in Brooklands now. As soon as you go in, Mercedes World, it's in there. I've sat in it. I didn't realise it was yours. It is yeah. a standard uh, car. Do you still visit it? One UXD. That's my old car. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever go back and just kind of reminisce with it? Uh, no. I look at it and I think, I, do you know why I look at it and go, why haven't you changed that number plate? Because the number plate. My mate is my builder and still is to this day. Uh, when I got the car, I bought the number plate and it arrived. And it's too long for the, to the in between the two bits of the the, the bumper. Fantastic. So we angle grind it. <laughs> we cut it off with an angle grinder, as in the number plate, and stuck it on. And Mercedes haven't changed it, and it infuriates me because it's not. It doesn't look good, <laughs> but they they think well, it, it's, it's part of its history, which is correct because when you're looking after a car. You're just looking after it for the next person. You're not a classic car. It's not a disposable thing. It, it, you're just looking after it because you love it, and then hopefully pass it on to somebody else who will also love it. And 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 when you change bits and pieces, that's part of its history. And they're they're right. They're they're, they're right. I love that approach. You see yourself as a caretaker. I think that's terrific. Yeah, there's a great there's a great watch manufacturer and, and one of the greatest in the world that says um, uh, you don't actually own a Patek Philippe. You just look after it for the next generation. <laughs> it's it's the same with classic cars, isn't it? Really, I, and people say about the electric car, the electric car will be the savior of the classic car because it will enable you to look after classic cars, whereas nowadays the cars that we have are disposable. Okay, which is sad. What an incredible way of looking at it! Yeah, that's amazing. Let's let's talk more about your collection then, James, because it's it's a sizable. You know, it's not just a couple, is it? You've you've got what close to forty cars at the moment? Is that right? There's, yeah, there's there's about yeah we're, we're yeah about that about that yeah about that and a real eclectic mix really. And um, when I sold the Gullwing quite quickly after that, I, I then bought a Maserati. I bought a, what was called a Maserati A6 uh, Monoposto. 
That's, this which is was a raced fantastically by a rare car, isn't it? This, I mean, there's hardly anything. One of only three. Yeah, one of only one of only three. Yeah, it was a it was a it's quite a rare car, and Fangio raced them um, at the Millie Millia. And um, the problem when I I wanted to do the Millie Millia, but that's why I bought it. And 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 in hindsight, I should have probably gone in the Gullwing, but I sold the Gullwing to buy this. Um, but it was it was and I had the right people to do it and everything else and. It, uh, and to be fair, it was it was not. Uh, it, it, when you look at the history of them, they all did a million million, and they all broke down after a hundred miles. Uh, <laughs> so is that uh, what happened to you? <laughs> you got... And that broke down at one hundred and twenty miles, um, and it, it was just a bit fragile. It was just a bit. Fragile. You, you needed a bigger engine. You need low revs to, to be able to just keep going. But the old Bentleys used to. You could do it three times in a Bentley. 1930s Bentley, 1940s Bentley. Whereas this thing used to, it's quite a small engine. It was quite high revving, and it, it, it yeah. It, anyway, in high it wasn't great. It just shows you how bad Vangio drove them, doesn't it? Don't don't buy yeah, a car well, and I, I wasn't driving anything like him. But then I sold it and bought a. I, I remember going to Goodwood and seeing a yellow Ferrari 275 on the stand, oh. and um, I missed it. I, I genuinely, I, I loved it. I missed it, and I, I said, "Is that car for sale?" He said, "That this guy's just bought it just before you came on the." And I, and I and I remember standing for two hours. I was wandering around this car, going, "That, that looks amazing! Look at it." Two seven five, so what, um, mid sixties here. We're talking. It's two seven nineteen sixty four, two seven five, yeah, competition. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, um, and it's a long nose one. They do short nose one, but like the like the the D type, the long nose one looks looks better than the short nose. I think it's, it's people's perception, whatever it is. But I think the long nose one looks prettier. And it had the bumpers taken off, so it was a little bit a little bit funky. Um, yellow, it was quite cool. Um, roll cage in it, harnesses, all that kind of stuff. Side exhaust, it was it was quite a, you know, it wasn't your stereotypical you know wire wheels. It was the really rare magnesium wheels. These ones and anyway, so about two two years later, I get a phone call from a dealer friend of mine who who, who found me a couple of cars over the E family, the the A6, the the Maserati. And I and I sold it, and and so, I, so it sort of sat. I sold the car and uh, the the Maserati, and and anyway, I, he knew that I was looking for bits and pieces. This guy looks for other people. I mean, he's found cars for quite a few other people in the past. And then I got a message while I was doing Saturday Kitchen one day live for the Beeb. I got a message going, uh, "Do you like this?" And it was the car that I looked at three years ago, two years ago at Goodwood and he said I'm in Germany now I'm buying a collection but I can't afford the collection but I'm selling off a lot of people would go in there these dealers would go in there and sell the collection before they even bought it if that makes sense okay, they'd phone yeah. up a lot of people would secure the, do secure you want to buy this do you want to buy that yeah, so that's how it all works really the, the good stuff generally very rarely comes up at auction it's all just sold without without coming up for auction and uh, and, and then they said well you've got an hour to decide and I was live on air oh thinking while I was cooking this bloody sea bass and interviewing all these guests thinking right I want to buy this car but I can't tell anybody can I afford it and anyway I just bought a house that week I just oh, bought no. this house that I was going to do up so and I went yeah I'll have it <laughs> and that was the money that I was going to use to do the house they actually put a roof on the bloody house because the thing was dropping to bits and I lived I lived in a motorhome for two years oh that's uh, in amazing. my driveway but I had this car oh yes Honestly, this is how this is how mental I am. God, I had a house that I couldn't live in. I lived in a motorhome in my driveway for two years, but I had a Ferrari, 
and the garage was the first thing I built when I when I got back to house the car. That's brilliant. That is absolutely. I was supposed brilliant. to do the house, but I did the garage first. I can just so so when that text message came through, you're live on air, and you know we've both hosted telly before. You've done loads and loads and loads. Yeah. You, you your attention has to be on what you're doing, but. If something like that comes in, it was it's, it's totally off a in the back bit. of your yeah. head, isn't it? You're, you're like, oh. Yeah, it was a bit. And, then, and, and funny enough, that's the same garage where we film the Saturday show now. Brilliant. That That is the exact same garage that I built for my car. And the reason why it's got a mezzanine floor, this vaulted floor, is that I wanted to put a, a, a four-poster ramp, and I was going to put my bedroom upstairs so the car was really boys thing. A four-poster ramp, so I could see the car from from my bedroom. That's amazing. See that? What a view! But yeah, that was that was, the, and I still got the Ferrari now. Um, and that's probably the longest. I think that's the longest one I've. I've well, I've had that sixteen years now, seven, seventeen years. Is that the one you and can't sell? Is that the one that? Because I've met several uh, kind of classic collectors who will say that this is the one I'm buried in. I'm literally yeah, I want to sell that. Yeah, I, I want to sell that. That's 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 pretty cool. It's pretty. Uh, but there are several now that I just that 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 I mean a little bit more. They're not high value cars, but the the, the Keith Floyd two CV. You know that that oh. that's a given. I want to sell that. No. Um, you know, there are certain ones where I just they've got more sentimental value than anything else. Yeah, but there's certain ones where purchase, isn't it? if you sold, you would never be able to get another one. So there's that sort of scenario. But you know, certainly, certainly those that one, the, the Ferrari is yeah, is definitely not for sale. Can you tell me about the the 350 Shelby Mustang? Have you still got that? Yeah, I still got that. That 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 took uh, about two years to restore. There's an amazing guy, um, Quinton Carmichael, who suddenly retired now, but. Uh, he used to build sort of one car a year. Uh, they were all like mega. There's only him that builds it, and he does all the paneling, panel beating, engine work. He, he's a he's just a genius, but works on his own because he couldn't find anybody good enough Ooh. to work with him. Wow. So he used to have a project, and for the last sort of probably ten years, he's been doing projects for me, different projects, and and one of which was a I think the first car that he did for me was a. 350 Shelby Mustang that uh, we got from Florida and it had been tracked so it was a little bit sort of left hand down a little bit on the suspension and when we took it apart it sort of fell apart <laughs> and so we said right if we're going to do it let's do it properly and we built it how it should should have been built so but we slightly modernized it we put the took the leaf springs off put the, uh, put the calipers on it as well um, the same end just a bigger engine 7 litre V8 um, but Alcantara inside, uh, yeah, it's proper thing, oh, proper thing, magic, proper tool. Magic. But uh, exhaust came from America, uh, uh, running gear came from Australia. Uh, yeah, but proper. All the panel, all the panels that you usually buy online are all rubbish. So, so we just we built them. That we built it all out of aluminium. Built the whole thing. I remember the bonnet took about eight hundred hours. Gosh, just to get the bonnet and the side bits to fit. There's a tremendous amount of work because the, the scoop on it and everything. But yeah, that's 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 fourteen years I've had that one. How much uh, do you get to drive these, James? How how often do you get to take uh, each car? Generally, out? anybody that's a classic car, you go in whichever one works. <laughs> <laughs> whichever one will start first is usually the sort of thing. Um, you you weigh it up, going, is this going to make the journey? And is it going to start when I when I wake up in the morning, wherever I'm going? So it's kind of that sort of stuff. But there, whichever one really works. But I can't. I generally drive all my cars. However, they should be driven really. That 
you know, particularly the sort of the, the competition cars, which I'm into now, yeah. you, you, you know, you, you drive them quite a bit because you have to drive them a bit because otherwise they, they won't work. Otherwise they're not worth having, yeah. I mean, James, I've got to share this with you because it was a really special moment for me last year. And I, I think this will resonate with you as well. I was lucky enough because of the TV show, I was lucky enough to get invited to Paddy Hopkirk's house. And <laughs> there he was with the Monte Carlo winner. And yep. my days, I've, I've had a passion for minis since I was tiny. And I think you share that. Yeah, 33 AJB. It's probably one of the rarest minis around. Yeah. Uh, he's got, I've got eight email, which is pretty rare. Um, then I've got uh, OBL 48F, which is another rare one. Um, they only built sort of late twenties. Uh, the the in numbers, the original works Cooper S's, um, and for some reason now there is thirty three of them. I don't know where the rest of them come from, but there are there are on the register that many. Um, but they're 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 cool. They're iconic. You know the the old um, series one cars. You know the way that they were designed on a cigarette packet, that kind of stuff, and. Yeah. and and the rally cars are just iconic. They're very, very different. Very, very different to a usual uh, Mini. Um, and they've all got amazing stories. They've all got amazing paperwork, the histories. I've got the bill sheets. I've got the, the paperwork when they used to send them around to Monte, Car Monte Carlo for the rally. I've got all those, the RSC rally, all that kind of stuff. And all the history, the pictures, the photographs. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, and then, you, you know, you go to the 60s right up to sort of the, the modern rally cars that I've got now, the, the, the iconic you know, triple five Subaru, which if you're my era, that's the sort of the, the, the era of the late nineties or nineties, early two thousands, the, the Colin McRae, the, yeah. the, um, Sega rally, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, and I've got one in my garage and I've got McRae's Ford Focus. Have you? The iconic sort of Marlboro livery. Oh. So sort of, yeah, that's, he won four rounds of the championship in my car in 2002. That one, um, but yeah, the, the, the amazing thing with this is you drum to the pub. Um, I drove the scoop <laughs> Subaru, it's Peter Solberg's Subaru. I drove that to the pub the other day. Peter Solberg's, um, wow, what a legend he is! Dear well, man. everybody thinks you're arriving in some car you've just been at Alfred in and put a load of stickers on it, <laughs> but then they quickly realize that you know, <laughs> you've got no key, you've got no, there's, there's no you can't lock it. Um, good luck starting it because you need a you need a, it's like a starting up an airplane, you need a. <laughs> Checklist. Um, yeah, it's got no it runs on. Play, it know. runs on more or less jet fuel. <laughs> uh, it, you can't go to the petrol station, fill it up. It's a. It, they're insane bits of kit, but amazing bits of kit. You, Phenomenal bits of kit. Are you parking that next to the bins as well? Uh, that that's yeah you know, that that sort of sits uh, yeah it's down on my local pub. But yeah, I, I've got really into sort of competition sort of competition cars, um, cars that you can drive on the road that that were designed that you drive, you know, and then race. And then drive home in it. Um, and probably the, the most iconic one that sits, I mean, in the garage now, I've got my craze car, I've got the, the Ferrari, and then I've got this GT40 in the middle. Um, and, you know, that history, of, uh, and that was before I knew they were even making a film on it. Yeah. Um, and that, that, that original GT40 is, you know, I mean, Ford tried to do it for GT the modern one but it's not a GT4 it's not the same as it was it wasn't that originally? never will be a GT4 it never sound like a GT4 it never drive like it the um, thing is absolutely insane it's completely insane and is um, yours the Ford one or is, it, or is yours one of the early Radford ones no mine's the, mine's the early one it's like it, it won at uh, last time out it raced it won at uh, it won the Whitson Trophy in 
2017, okay. 2018. It was due to race this year, last year, because of then COVID hit. Um, we might be racing it this year with Jason Plato as my teammate. Of course. Um, but yeah, it was raced, raced, uh, yeah, it, it, and very successfully. It won quite a few of its races uh, uh, recently as well. So it was it won a, won a big race. Sorry, with you at the wheel? No, not not me at the wheel. No, I've got a god. I'm not. I'm not. You know, I, I think of myself as a racing driver, but that's where the talent stops. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I could. You know, I mean, Jason said you'd be all right if you keep at it. I got within a second off of mini uh, in the mini round Goodwood, but yeah, that's I mean, he's doing that nice. lap after lap after lap after lap. You know, and I remember he taught me how to drive. We we, we taught me how to drive an F1 car once, and I ended up buying the damn thing. Um, <laughs> It was a Benetton. A Benetton. Uh, a Benetton. Okay. It, was, yeah. it was it was it was Gerhard Berger's Benetton, ninety six Benetton. <laughs> um, and, and the thought, yeah, and I, and 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 I got within two seconds around Silverstone off him. But hey, but then the, yeah, he'll tell you that an F one driver will get beaten by five seconds. You know, I mean, yeah, it, it's not bad, but that's you on your own one lap. <laughs> You're not doing that for two hours. No, that's completely uh, fair. Full whack. And, and their, their, their talent is just it's beyond belief. But what's it like? Because, I mean, you know, racing a classic, etc. Is, is amazing, but you kind of know what you're doing because it's... You, you <laughs> An F1 car is a bit like um, uh, on a Star Wars arcade machine. You know when it goes Viper Force or whatever it is and you get those lines? Yeah. It's like that. It's like, it's, it's like uh, Star Trek when you see him go warp speed, warp speed yeah. your brain cannot compute quick enough. Um, and, and sort of, I, I'm, I'm a, I've enjoyed flying. I've been a pilot for 15 years. And, and I can't, when I've been in a jet and been in the cockpit of a jet and flying, you know, I've been flying, but on the controls for a minute, the, your brain is computing stuff that I, my brain can't handle. And, and 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 also your body can't handle because you know the just the G forces the the mental ability to be able to do that is just yeah the reaction time everything it's you know the classics are a different thing. Having said that, the classics require a different type of skill. You know the, right. the old guys and the and, and the new new drivers that can drive a classic quickly. You know there's amazing footage of of the the eight times Le Mans winner driving driving around Goodwood in a GT40 in the wet. Yeah. You watch that. I mean, he's ne- his, his wheel's not straight the entire way around, you know, <laughs> whereas an F1 car is planted, you know what I mean? This yeah. thing is just constantly trying to kill you. Yeah, he's just constantly trying to, 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 to drive him off the road, but he's just got his foot planted. It's an amazing footage to see. Um, but it's very different to driving a driving a modern car. Do you get it once once you've done the the lap or, or however many you did in the F one car for the first time? When you got out of it, were you were you just shaking and just like with excitement more than yeah, anything yeah, else? Yeah, yeah. I, I had the privilege, and that's what the amazing thing is with this job. It gives you the opportunity to be able to do stuff. I remember driving uh, Jackie Stewart's Tyrrell for a BBC show because nobody else that they knew could drive an F one car, and I had two at the time. Um, there's a few people who got them now in terms of television, but you know, I, I was licensed not to race them, but I was licensed to drive that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, they would only allow somebody to drive it if they had experience of driving them. Um, and uh, I had 56 laps around Monza oh. uh, with Sir Jackie Stewart watching wow. 
on the tower, looking up. It was hanging off the, the the metal railings at Monza, and I had Monza to myself for the entire afternoon. And the sun was setting, and that was your pinch yourself moment. That was the one where you were, I'm not going to get to do this ever again. Yeah. Ever. Ever in my life, I'm going to do Jackie it again. there as well. Oh. So Jackie, in the car, that he, he'd never seen a Tyrrell drive around Monza because he was always sat in them. He was always driving them. Yes, of course. Wow. And he knew exactly where I was on the circuit by which gear, which engine note that I was in. And he had a radio, and I was listening to it in my ear, going, no, you need to be quick around there. You need to accelerate, brake less around there. And we were getting quicker and quicker and quicker and quicker. Uh, it was, yeah, it was amazing. What an amazing. education. What an experience. That was amazing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Amazing. And that's what, I hate to use the word because I know you despise it, but I, that's kind of what celebrity brings, isn't it? It's, it's that access that, that no one else is ever going to get. Yeah, to a point. But, the, but I suppose in the car world, it, it's, um, yeah. yes, yes, it gets you access, but does it get you the opportunity to be able to, to do that and to, to do that all the time? That's the different thing. You know, it's... Uh, yeah, my cars have come by a way of, I suppose, the the business side of it, and 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 that's been taught into me from my, when I was a young kid. When I was saying to you, you buy a chicken at this, you sell it at this. Yeah. Um. But that kind of stuff that has enabled me to do that kind of thing. Um. But also diversifying, so no more so than what we're into now. Whereas one sort of business sort of drops off, the other opportunity that comes up, and you you sort of do that. Uh, um. That you know. Um. But it's all been a life of risk. Um, and I think the older you are, the, the, the less you want to risk, if that makes sense. But I mean, said that, I'll still risk. It, that, that's the weird thing. But that's probably that chef crazy gene in me. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So yes, it gives the opportunity. But does it give you the opportunity to be able to do that all the time? Right. You know? that's the reason mean. why you get invited to Goodwood is not because you're a celebrity. It's because you've got the car. Yeah. The car gets you in, not you. And the passion and the knowledge. There's a queue of people like you. The car gets you in. I'm well aware of that, about that. Yeah, interesting. (laughs) Because when you want to bring a car in, they go, well, is that? No, we've got one of them. Yeah, you've already got six of those. All right, fine. All right, (laughs) cool. (laughs) And they go, well, it's me. No, you can't say it's me because, no, we've got the car. It's you. It's a car. Yeah. You might get you might get a press yeah. pass for a day. <laughs> That'll do. Yeah, it's the car gets you in, and that's that's what excites me about being collecting over the years is that each one of those cars have got a story. And when you walk through the garage, and you know, I walk I walk in there, and when I finish work, I want to wander around and have a look through, and I sit there and have a look at the paperwork and, and the history side of it, and you go, See, each one of these are quite unique, mm. um, and, and they've all got a story, you know. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have a daily that's that's not a classic, or are you always just? Yeah, I have I have two well three daily cars that I drive around quite a lot for work, and I have a I have a a, a Arctic truck, a, a Toyota Hilux Arctic truck, okay. which I love. Yeah, um, which is kind of like a yeah, I love it. I, I, it's, it's yeah, I love it. And what do you do? Just like load up the old pallets of fish on the back? And, load all my you know, stuff in it. And yeah, it, yeah. if I'm going away, I just chuck all my stuff in it. It's it's bulletproof. Anybody that's had a Hilux knows that they are the king of pickup trucks. They sort eight. of replaced the Defender as the go-to farm vehicle, didn't they? Yeah, I've got, yeah. My, the old gamekeepers will have a Hilux. Um, yeah. and, and I've got a Defender. I've got a, I've got a, a Defender, uh, the old school Defender. 
Yeah. Um, and I used that quite a lot. It was made by a company called LR. They're, they're a sort of brand of a twisted, but without the the bling. Okay. And it and it looks like an ex army one, so it's a soft top thing, oh, uh, nice. but it's a new one. So it's in the same green. It's got a canvas soft top, soft top, and it's yeah, that. And I and I and I drive this BMW that that mate of mine JK told me about. I was looking for a sort of a, a state car, and everybody's going on about RS fours, RS sixes. And he went, no, no, you don't want one of them. Uh, we've had, we've all had them. I went, well, you've all had them. You've had about a ten of them as long as I've known him. And he said, no, buy this. And I went, I don't even know it existed. What, what do you mean, buy this? And he went, it's the best value car on the market. Go out there, find one, and buy it. It is unbelievable. And it's a BMW 760 Li. Okay. And to dual blogs, it looks like a 7 Series BM. But I swear, I've driven, I've driven I, I, GT3 RS, bright green GT3 RS. I've driven it through central London. This gets more looks from the youngsters. Really? Uh, it's a black BMW 760Li. They all know what it is, and you've got to really know what it is. Yeah. But my God, when you when you own one and drive one, you'll I'll never ever buy another car other than that. Wow. And they're going to stop making them because it's a V12, so they won't make them anymore. But it is the best new car I've ever driven. What it does awesome. everything that any other new car wants to do, but it's incognito. To Joe Blogs, they wouldn't have no clue what it is until you put your foot down. That's clever. 200 and something miles an hour, um, 680 horsepower, four-wheel drive, four-wheel steer, synthetic vision. Uh, it's got all the gizmos, gadgets on it. Uh, it's incredible, incredible bit of kit. Wow. And you can drive all the way up Scotland and feel like you've driven 10 miles. Cool. Amazing. That sounds beautiful. I love that you, you it, was a, it was the most subtle of name drops as well, James. Yeah, my mate JK, Jamiroquai, told you to buy this car. Uh, well, he's a, he's a bit of a car note, you know, and he's, we've, we've, we've chatted long, and well, Nick, Nick Mason, you mentioned he's been here. We, we've chatted cars for, you know, if you've got a lover of cars, you don't, you don't, it doesn't matter who you are, what you are, yeah. where you are, you've all got the same passion. It doesn't matter where people are from, uh, doesn't bother me at all. But we've all got this same addiction and same passion. Um, that that's what it comes down to. It's a special it, bond. Really. Yeah, it's a special bond that some people yeah, just don't it, understand. It, it, it's appreciation it. for them, and and yeah. like I go back to later, you know, there there are people out doing that doing that for financial gain, but it's not what collectors do. Collectors buy because they like them and look after them, and they want the next generation to look after it too, if that makes sense. You see a lot of it in the car game. Well, I'm not selling it to them because they're just, they're just interested in making money of it. Yeah. So they'd rather sell it to somebody that, that can look after it. And they know that it isn't going to go anywhere else. I remember I've got a car in the collection that, that a gentleman sold me, and he sold me it. I, I know that dealers were asking for more money for it, to buy it. But he said, I don't want to do that. I want to sell it to somebody who, who, who's going to look after it. Yeah, that's brilliant. And I said, well, everybody's going to look after it. He said, no, but the difference is if you, if I phone you up and said, look, can I come and have a look at the car? I've owned it for 25 years. I went, yeah, yeah no problem. Yeah. Come and have a look. Come and drive it down the road. Take it, take it out with your wife. Fine. Exactly. Exactly. But do you know what I mean? That's what, that's what it is. It's that, that custodian the, thing again, isn't it? That's the key to it. That's yeah. the key to it. It's, you know, I, I, that, that's the important bit to me. I, I there's several important bits, but that's 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 the thing. But yeah, yeah it, it's quite a, a weird thing collecting cars and, and and classic cars. You either get them or you don't. A lot yeah. of people think, "Oh, why would I want a car that's 
you're constantly listening for it to break down. But it's the history, that. isn't it? It's Why the not? Artwork in well, the that's history. what makes yeah. it. There's moments where you just think, "Wow, it's amazing." Yeah, 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 yeah. Very, very cool. And your collection is is yeah, mouth watering. Um, James, <laughs> there's a few, there's a few old bits of shrapnel ones at work. Anyway, they're all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm desperate to see it. I really want to come and look in your garages. That just sounds yeah, amazing. Yeah, well, no, 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 it's when we get guests on the show, they all sort of come down and then they, they sort of come into the studio and then, can we just have a quick look of what you've got? And yeah, 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 kind of, yeah. Absolutely. Put, take them around. There's a few bits and pieces here. God, that'd be amazing. Um, James, I've got a random one for you. It's something we do with a lot of our guests. It's a bit of fun. We call it our dream drive. I want you to have a think about yep. this because, of course, you're uniquely positioned for this. Not only are you a car nut, but also you interview famous people all the time. So you're very well versed <laughs> with with the kind of world of celebrity, etc. So the dream drive is simply you can choose any car, any road, yep. and you can have three yep. passengers. They have to be we have to know who they are so they can be famous, alive, dead or fictional characters. What are you driving? Where are you driving? And who are your three passengers for this trip? I could tell you that straight away. I would buy. I would have a, a 250 short wheelbase Ferrari, 1964, yes. um, and I would drive uh, the co- the road from from Moulton to Whitby for fish and chips. Brilliant. Um, and through the Yorkshire Dales, up through there, through, over, over the Filing Dales, uh, past the Earl of Oakham. Anybody local listening to this will know what I'm talking about. But there's the Earl of Oakham. You drop down. Through the final nails, up, up past there, and end up at the Magpie or Trenches for fish and chips. I'd sit and eat it and, and uh, watch the seagulls sit on your bonnet. And I would do that with one person. I would do that with my, my old grandmother, oh, who passed away about 18 years ago. Nobody famous, um, but she was the one that said to me, he says, if you persevere and work hard enough, you'll get exactly what you want. That was it. Brilliant. She's the she's been the inspiration for everything, has she? Yeah, Granny Smith was her name. Uh, Amazing. Yeah, Granny Granny. You couldn't write it, could you? <laughs> but yeah, Granny Smith. Uh, she was a. Uh, I've said it in interviews before, and I don't do like you like you said at the beginning of this. So I think you do it before you press record. I, I very rarely do stuff like this, and I, and I and I and I said said it in an interview a long time ago. I say it again. If I could be ten percent of what she was, I'd be a hundred percent better person. There's no question. James, I, I must say, yeah. it's going to sound a bit a bit sort of blow smoky up your arsey, but you're you're very inspiring. You you really are incredible company, and you're you're. Well, kind I of don't. Look on I, I very is, is rarely brilliant. do stuff like this, as you know. I don't. I don't do stuff like this. I I keep very much myself to myself, and yeah. I always have. Um, and. Uh, I mean, my mates are probably going to say, why the hell do you do this anyway? Um, but I don't. I don't do it very often. I like you guys there, and, and, and uh, we've met on several occasions, and you know, and, and I said, you know, we'll talk shop, talk cars, and talk a bit bits and pieces, but it'll be probably 10 years before I do another one. Well, I, I really appreciate that you've, you've, you've spoken to me today. It That's right. Me. It's a pleasure. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. So you've just been listening to James Martin on the Driven Chat podcast. And now for a little bit more, you get to listen to the lovely Mike Brewer and Mark Priestley from the Driven Chat radio show. I hope you enjoy. 
Welcome back to Driven Chat, the radio show. I'm Andy J. We are coming to you from the Driven Chat truck, which is parked up at Caffeine and Machine. Joining me, as always, of course, are my co-hosts, John Markar and Amy Shaw. Hi. Hello, guys. And because this is part three of the show, you've come to love him. And, of course, you already did. It's the marvellous Mr. Mike Brewer, the wheeler dealer himself for Mike Brewer Motoring. This is so nice. It's so nice that I get this intro, like, every week. And it's weird (laughs) that you're introducing your team and then me oh, I, that's I, true. I need the shirt to put on I want to be in the team too your headline act Mike headline yeah, but act. I, I want to be like wearing the same colours as you going on the same field against the opposition you know we're a team that's team player I mean you're the star billing Mike but to be fair if you want to be part <laughs> of the team I'm 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 down with that but John and Amy they don't they don't bring special guests along you, however, for this week, yes. have brought a very special guest. Very he's sat special alongside guest. you. He's, I hate to say this, but he's made the show quite a lot more handsome, which is a bit <laughs> of an issue. If it could get any more handsome than it did before, <laughs> it has now just gone up a notch. It is the new mechanic from Wheeler Dealers, the man you call Elvis. I've known him forever as Mark. It's the one and only Mark Priestley. Hey, 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 Mark. Even if you're the man of many identities. And I'll be happy. I'm happy to take the fact that I'm making a radio show more handsome. Great, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is something we do need to discuss. And, uh, and Mike, it's a serious question for you. Because obviously we take listeners' questions for you at this part of the show. But I do have a serious question for you. Now, this does circle back. We've established, obviously, that, that Mark is the third of the mechanics. Now, Ed, we all know, went grey. Ant Anstead. Uh, yeah, no, we had this conversation. I know where this is going. I'm looking at Mark now. I've known him for years. He's always had this lovely, luscious, dark hair. Now there's a silver fox vibe, and I'm wondering if it's your... Are you the silver fox maker, Mark? As soon as I noticed <laughs> it the other day, I said, mate, I'm going to get it in the neck over this. What are you doing? Are you actually dyeing your hair grey? And he said, no, I'm putting it down to you. Ever yeah. since so I met you. literally come on in the last few weeks. I'm not even kidding. I think, I it's, mean, I think it's a new title for you, Mike. It's Mike Brewer, the grey maker. It's so funny because I've got none, only a little bit in my temples, but that's about it. It's kind of ironic that everyone I work with... Have you seen Ant recently? Yeah. He's Doc Brown out of... Italy. <laughs> He's saying the Doc Brown. His hair is so white, it's unbelievable. <laughs> like Einstein. <laughs> but this is the thing. I'm wondering if this is like part of the audition process. You don't get to work with Mike unless you've got the, unless you've got the chance of quick grey. It can't be a coincidence, can it? It's too much. It can't be a complete it coincidence. It must be something that when they're, you know, when they're finishing working on the car, one of my cars, they finish working on it, and then they just rub their hands through their hair, you know, with the oil and the grease. It must be something to do with that. Because it's certainly not me doing it. Yeah, let's put it down to that, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> He's shaking his head. Well, look, guys, I mean, the, the lovely news for, for Wheeler Dealer fans, and let's be fair, there's a massive army of them out there, is that you are currently, I mean, Mike, you've alluded to this, you guys are the, the pair of you, you've teamed up again, you are currently filming in the UK the next, well, not just the next series, is it? It's going to keep going and going and going. Uh, yeah, we signed a, a very lengthy contract, a pair of us, for many, many years. Uh, because the aim is to just keep making this show better and better and better, and we're uh, we're we both signed up for, for on this run. It's thirty shows, but it's ten Wheeler Dealers, ten of our Dream Car series, and then ten more Wheeler Dealers. We're five shows in of making Wheeler Dealers, and I'm gonna say Wheeler Dealers is a bit of an animal. When you make that, it's a big production. It's a big animal. But we're loving every minute of it, aren't oh, we? Okay. We're just having such a laugh. It's brilliant. Couldn't be happier. I mean, honestly, my life on a personal level has gone from 2020 where, you know, we had the lockdowns and it was a quiet year as it was for a lot of people. 
for now being absolutely flat out, but loving every second of it. We laugh from the moment we get into work each morning to the moment we leave. And, you know, you can't ask for more than that. It's just brilliant. And nice. I've got to say, having just sort of started to see the first bits of the cuts coming out, the edit of what we've made so far, nothing's finished yet, but the first bits coming out, it's looking really good, isn't it? I think it's the, uh, with, great, with great respect to my previous two co-hosts, I think it's looking stronger than it's ever looked before. The shows mm. look really good. We've got a new team that we're working with. We've still got the same crew, but we've got a new production team. Uh, they really care about the show. Uh, there's a huge amount of pressure on us to make sure that this one succeeds. And uh, it, it's looking really, really strong. And I got a, a first cut of a first show the other day, which I went through, and I had a tear in my eye when I watched it. I, and I immediately sent a, a group email out to everyone saying, congratulations, this is the strongest we've ever been. And it looks amazing. It really does look amazing. He, Elvis, is just knockout. I mean, just watching him go to work on the tools in the workshop, it is mesmerising. It's knockout. It's exactly where we need to be. Uh, they're clever jobs. They're intricate jobs. Uh, the jobs are broken down into a language that we can all understand. Uh, everything about the show is done in a in a way that you can have a go yourself and don't be frightened of having a go yourself. And Elvis conveys that really well because he's not coming in saying, I know exactly how to do this. He's coming in and saying, I think I know how to do this and I'll find out how to do it as I move along with the job and uh, it's such a refreshing approach to the way that he's taken on his mechanics it's really good but saying that i mean you make it sound like mark is a bit of an amateur let's can we just recap on mark's cv so oh, no, far because it's quite an strong isn't seriously it? let's keep with the, uh, let's keep with the, uh, yeah, i mean look you know if i'm going to choose somebody out of uh, out of the field of people that would love to do this job and work alongside me why not choose a guy that helped take Lewis Hamilton and uh, was the mechanic for, um, uh, I can't get his name, Kimi Raikkonen. Uh, why not choose somebody that worked at McLaren, you know, one of the lead mechanics at McLaren. Why not choose that person uh, yeah. to come and work alongside you? So Mark's got brilliant credentials, but I think even he will admit those skills don't necessarily translate when I bring back a 1963 Dormobile. You know, that's not gonna that's not gonna translate. Well he um, can get the tires off very quickly. So. Yeah, can, yeah. I mean the tire changes are brilliant in the workshop, but if it if the tire changes are bad, I mean he's gonna get it in the neck, isn't he? I mean they're really good. And uh, so it, you know, for that reason alone, Mark can't pretend to know everything. And I think that's the beauty of it. He's not saying I'm a Formula One mechanic. Look what I can do. I can mm. do this easy. It was one of the things that when I first signed up to this, I was I was adamant that that is how I wanted to do it. I wanted it to be real, first of all. And secondly, I don't know everything about every car out there. You know, I've been very specialised in my Formula One years. I mean, I've played with cars all my life, but I don't know everything about every car. No one does. So why, why pretend we do? Let's just figure it out as we go. And hopefully the audience come along with that journey and... They won't know everything either, so they'll learn along with us. And if they want to try out on their own driveway the next day, hopefully they've learned a bit that will help them do that. And that's know? such a good approach because the reality is that the viewers, they might be experts in one type of car or one specific engine or one clutch or whatever it might be. But the second it branches out there, of course you can't know all of them. That would be, that'd be mad. So we tick the box on the old right, let's learn together. We tick the box on could go great, brilliant. <laughs> I'm wondering as well, I'm wondering as well if you guys are missing a trick with a business opportunity. And I'm just looking at the pair of you now under the beautiful lights we've got here in the truck and everything. And I'm thinking there should be a Wheeler Dealers 2022 calendar. <laughs> oh. What do we think? 
Oh, with, with, what, with uh, an appropriately placed oil can, and yeah, you're thinking that kind of well, hang calendar. On. You know how the iconic Pirelli calendars for years. Yeah. Why don't we do? Let's approach Nankang or something. You know, a, a slightly lesser established brand, and do our own tyre branded calendar. I can. John's the visions that I've got right now are alarming. John's owning. See how he just said we should do we this. Should do <laughs> John, John wants to be Mr. June. He does. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to nip this in the bud right now. There is not a lens wide enough to get me on the calendar. Right? It's just not going to happen. But you just have that beautiful close-up of you. I mean, if it's a body part, maybe. <laughs> but that's about it. We've got the photographer. To be fair, let's be honest. I will be there. A couple of well-placed steelies. We're we're in business. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think that I think we have to do this. We could do it for charity. It's the, we, it's the Wheeler Dealers 2022 calendar. Let's Copyright Andy J. We can have mugs and everything. Yeah. yeah, it can be those mugs that when they heat up, then certain Shame. things get oh. revealed. <laughs> what are is that a radiator topos for a 5.7 litre Hemi that you've got there? <laughs> oh, that escalated quickly. Oh, look what he's done with his wrench. I think it's perfect. So that's a Quiet. yes. Look at your tool, Mark. Hold it. Hold it. Or better still, hold my tool. <laughs> All right, it's not soft porn, Mike. We were just thinking we might make a calendar. All right, sorry. <laughs> You've taken it to the sorry. next level. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Okay, well, we've established that's a yes, yeah? I just want to confirm that while we're recording. I think I think there is a business proposition here that will work. People will buy it. I mean, if nothing else, John Marker's going to buy at least 60 copies. Yeah. So we're, we're sorted. <laughs> That'll pay for the photographer. Now, let's, let's kind of... Be fair. This is the part of the show where, where people write in to ask you questions, Mike. And I've once again, I've hijacked it. A few people have told me, "Well, we ask you these questions, and you just kind of talk to Mike about everything else." Well, yes. So, John, let's let's fire away. Let's get a listener question in be- before we get roasted. Perfect. Right. Well, here is a question from uh, Simon Woodward. Simon would like to know. He says, "Hi, team. I have a question for Mike. And this week, obviously, we're going to throw it to you, Mark, as well." How does Mike and Mark feel about tuning cars using the plug-and-play boxes that trick cars' CPU into thinking it's running differently, affecting the mile-per-hour torque and MPG, etc.? Now, obviously, we know that the world of tuning and remapping and things, that can be quite an in, in-depth world of pulling out ECUs and telling them reprogramming and actually resoldering in instances. But, of course, now you can buy boxes off the internet that you can plug in and just do through an app on your phone and, say, make the exhaust pop more or make my lights stay on longer how do you guys from your professional opinion how do you feel about that is that a good thing to do a bad thing to do should we be dubious well I, it all depends what the car is how long you've had the car and uh, your ownership of the car so if you've got a new car or a relatively new car that's still under manufacturer's warranty i would suggest you don't do it because if they find out you've done it you're going to invalidate your warranty mm. and uh, they probably won't help you if something goes popping your engine because you've over revved it because you've remapped it and uh, and you drop it back on a dealer and say this happened that probably not help you and you're gonna you know end up spending lots of money uh, but if it's a car that you've had for a while and you want to make your car better go faster uh, in some respects uh, modifying your car by remapping it not only improves horsepower and torque, it can actually improve fuel economy as well. Yeah. And uh, you can actually improve your car no end by unlocking some of the secrets that the manufacturer have put in the ECU to throttle back your car. Uh, and there's a reason for that. And it's a it's a reason that a lot, lot not a lot of people know. But in general terms, 
uh, fuel that we get at our petrol pumps has got different qualities all over the world. So the fuel that we use in the UK is great fuel. The fuel we used in North America when I was living there is awful, awful fuel. Uh, but if you go further south, South America, the fuel is disgusting. Mm. It's got dirt and grit in it, and it's no good at all. However, a manufacturer, when they produce a global car, they need to make sure that their car can work on all fuels. Yeah. So they will remap their ECUs or map their ECUs to cope with whatever you put inside the engine. That's how... Uh, why ECUs exist in the first place. It's there as a safety measure for the manufacturer to hold their part of the warranty up and say, we guarantee your car. We know we guarantee it because we've throttled it back to this level. Uh, but there's lots of clever tricks and boxes you can now buy that you can just go on an app and you can unlock that mm. and you can get the power of what your car is capable of uh, back. Uh, I don't think that's a bad thing. I actually think it's a good thing. If you want to do it and it improves your car and it gives you better a better experience with your car, more drivability, better fuel economy, more fun. You know, I like the the, the fact that we use our cars for fun. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. But just be warned, if you're buy, doing it on a later car, you're invalidating your warranty. Yeah, Mark, would you say, were you, are you always better going to a proper rolling road with proper technicians or... Look, there's yes, you're getting a, a proper job. It's going to be done thoroughly, but it obviously costs a you know a, mm. a respectful uh, you know a decent amount of money. What these boxes do is give the that opportunity to the the guy at home who's doing it on his own driveway, and you know what Mike said there, absolutely true. You know this idea that you put the control back into the owner of the car without having to go to the big garage or the manufacturer, pay the premium fee to have it done. We know there are some manufacturers that produce a, a range of cars or a range of vehicles at different power levels, for example, where the hardware is exactly the same, and yet they market a number of different power options, and it's only the fact that you've they're giving you a new chip in, the, in an ECU that unlocks that power. So putting that control back into your hands, I think it's a great thing. But like Mike says, you've got to be careful about what you're doing it on, how old it is, what your, co- you know, what your circumstances are. I think that freedom is what the owners of cars you know, relish. So I, I'm, I'm all for it. Absolutely. I mean, Mark, just, just while we've got you, what should the sort of average driver, you know, the people that aren't trained mechanics that haven't done their stint in Formula One and so on and so forth, what should we be doing ourselves at home on our own cars? I mean, I'm talking, you know, should we be changing our own oil? Should we be checking our spark plugs? Should we know our way around an engine? What, what's the yeah. basics that we should be aware there of? There are some basic. I mean, things like that, things like changing, things that are going to keep your car going just on a basic level, changing the oil, checking things like spark plugs, just knowing what to listen for, what to look for, so that the moment something happens, you don't have to rush off down the garage and get that initial fee just for driving through the door that everyone's you know immediately hit with. There are a number of basic things. Checking the oil is the most simple thing in the world. People are scared of it because mm. it's dirty, it's an unknown. As soon as you open the bonnet on a modern car, sometimes you can't even barely find the engine let alone find the dipstick because it's covered in plastic bearings and and that scares people so taking a moment and it really is just a moment to look up where your dipstick is where your water goes in i know it sounds really simple but it makes such a difference because you can literally save yourself a fortune you can also get yourself out of trouble when these things happen or a light pops on and you're out on the road somewhere so i i would say knowing the basics which for me is it's a little bit like you're your basics of first aid when you when you're growing up, you know, you get taught those very basic things that could 
get you out of trouble later in life. They seem really boring back then. I've never had they? to use a sling, Mark, for what it's worth. <laughs> I can yeah, still well, do well, it, but I've never had to I use know, it. I know, but you've tried mouth to mouth on so many <laughs> occasions, haven't you, off the back of that lesson. What, what, stop <laughs> giving me tequila. We've discussed just, this. Just as a little tipette for the audience out there, one of the most fundamental things you can check in your car tomorrow, and it, you won't even get your hands dirty doing it, is your tyre pressure. Yeah. Tyre pressure yeah. is vitally important. You'll be amazed the amount of people driving around today with their tyres under-pressured. Yeah. Uh, they're burning fuel. They're using more fuel in their tank uh, because they're not, not running the right tyre pressure. Uh, their road holding will be affected. The way the car performs will be affected. So tyre pressure is very important. So for people who are listening who have never done any, wouldn't even know what tyre pressure their car would need, where would you point them into the direction of this is where you can learn about your car? Would it be things like YouTube, forums? Where would you say your people manual. can learn? All cars come with an instructional manual. Uh, if you can't find it in the glove box of your car where it should be, uh, go and look it up online. It would just be online. And you should know what your tyre pressures are. You should know what oil you're putting in the car, it's in the instruction manual. You should know how much oil you're putting in your car and how to check for oil because some engines need you running the engine, getting it up to temperature. Some engines need it cold. Uh, but that'll all be explained in your instruction manual. And the instruction manual is there. And there is a, there, a lot of people overlook this. Every instruction manual for every car manufactured, every car has got a piece in it about maintenance of your car. Nobody ever turns to that page and reads it. People are scared to read it, as Mark but says. Isn't that the beauty, though, of the world we live in today? Information on anything is there at the touch of our fingertips. Mm. And even if you've got an older car and maybe the manuals got lost you know, years ago, it's there on the phone in your pocket. You can get access to somebody describing, explaining in a YouTube video exactly how these things are done. No one's got an excuse not to know these basics in my book. And it, it, like I said before, it can save you money. It can get you out of trouble. It's just not worth not putting that couple of minutes in that it takes to know the basics. You guys are really good at explaining this. I mean, I know you've got a calendar out next year, but maybe we should do a TV show about this. Maybe, Mike, you could buy a car and, and Mark, you could just fix it up and just show us idea. how to do it. That's, That's a good idea. You can have that one. Do you know, I, I'm convinced, right, we've got this wrong in this country because uh, education at school, if you go to an American school in education, they have mechanics, right? They do mechanics yeah. in school. We don't do that here. You know, I think from five years of age, we should be getting kids screwing spark plugs into cylinder heads and putting the leads on in That's the right order. child labour, mate. You need to that is that Maybe not five, Mark. Yes. <laughs> well, no, I think so. I think a primary school, and there is something about uh, mechanics of a car, and I've been reached out many, many times over the last two decades by autism societies all over the world saying there's something about watching wheeler dealers, about the methodology, um, not, you know, the... Uh, the I can't say the word, <laughs> about the regularity of the way you do things in a formatted show. Methodology. That, uh, methodology that calms these kids down and it gets them watching your TV programme. And uh, I think that's really important that we should be teaching these kids at a much earlier age, not only sex education, teach them car education, maintenance education, real-world skills, things they're going to use in the future. Amen. That works for me. Hey, thanks, everyone. It's been an absolute joy. You've been listening to Driven Chat, the radio show from the Driven Chat truck at Caffeine and Machine. A huge thanks to our team member, Mike Brewer. Oh, I love him that you said that. Oh, oh we, we oh, love him. Now. We love him. <laughs> the marvellous Mr. Elvis himself, Mark Priestley. Thank you, buddy. Guys. It's been brilliant. Of course, we heard from Celebrity Chef par excellence earlier, Mr. Uh, James Barr. I think that was fun, wasn't it? And of course, Amy Shaw, John Marker. We'll be back from the truck at Caffeine and Machine, same time, same place, on your radios next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>